Hello, RP people. Welcome back to another episode of Roleplaying as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in. Joining me, I got Finder here. Hey, Finder. Yep. Uh, now, we don't have Scott here today because uh, he has some stuff going on, um, which is kind of what we're going to be discussing before we get into our topic. Um, and just so that they know, Scott took the video with him, so... yeah. No video yeah. today. <laughs> no, I've I, I've been feeling like crap, so it's kind of uh nice to not have face. But um, you, you totally had a scapegoat, and you threw it away, man. Yeah, no, I I'm I, I'm too honest. Um, so Scott is going to be around for a couple more weeks, and then after that, um, he's going to be well, I guess leaving. Um, he. He has an engagement with work, and he's going to be moving to Japan, uh, mostly because he wants the waifu pillows, and they don't have a good enough selection here, so unfortunately, he has to leave. And it, it, honestly, it's going to be sad. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. We're, we're talking about this before the episode started, and we're like... Because, like, I, I, people in the Discord know, like, we talk a lot about tabletop RPGs. But even just amongst us three, we talk about it so much, and it's become almost all-consuming for, what, over... How long have we been talking together about RPGs? Not even just podcast-wise, but just in general. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. Yeah, like three I years, mean, probably? The problem with me is I'm old enough now that all the years kind of blend <laughs> together, so it's like, I, I look back and I was like, was that really three years ago? Yeah, I believe that was three years ago. Fuck, I know. How even like this, just starting this podcast, like that, it it doesn't feel like it's been long. It really has. Yeah. yeah. And I've had so much fun. Um, so what we're going to be doing going forward is um, we're going to be taking a, not we're not going to be cutting off, we're not going to be stopping the podcast, but we are taking a mini, a bit of a hiatus just because it's the summertime. I think we're all kind of a little, like, we're a little bit tired. I've been in school this entire time, and I've been, um, what's the nicest way to put it? Uh, I've, I've been burning the candle at all ends, not just two ends, but like three or four, and I'm kind of, I'm really burnt out. I'm tired. <laughs> and that's because you don't use the tools that are available. <laughs> Chat <GBT>. uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, I'm 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 trying to get an education. I'm not trying to cheat my way through. Um, <laughs> but um, I ironically enough, actually, a lot of a lot of universities now. Uh, I actually just learned this uh, from a friend of mine who's a teacher, uh, and he was saying that a lot of the schools are now putting in, um, like. Installing a lot of software and getting a lot of hardware to be able to actually test and track to see did this come from a, a chat AI? <laughs> so I think that that gravy ride is going to be running out for the people who do use that. And if you do use that, guys, uh, maybe start doing some homework. <laughs> well, you, you know, my take is Dude. there's no reason to not use the tools available. Yeah. That's not to say let it do all the work, but you let it pump the stuff out. You look, you review it. You make sure that it's one accurate. You put in your appropriate references. You modify things to make it. But there's no reason you have to do everything from a blank slate. 
it's uh, and like even using it for like even like ourselves with TTRPGs, mm-hmm. we've used it a few times to bounce ideas off, and I think that's where it's it's it is its strongest yeah. is for bouncing ideas off. But yeah. AI is not our conversation for the week, so don't worry, guys. <laughs> um, on this week, we're going to actually be discussing something that we're kind of we we've recently started doing, and we're actually going to be start doing a lot more in our own personal lives, and that is one-shot games. Um, which I kind of feel like have almost like a little bit of a bad rap, and I kind of want to talk about the positives of it. So, before we get started on an actual discussion, find, uh, Finder, uh, what's your feelings on one-shot games? So, for clarity, we're talking about one-shots not all in the same system, right? So, because I mean, you could do a bunch of one shots all in D and D or all in whatever system. And so, what I like about the way we're doing the one shots is it's almost like a round robin of, hey, let's try a bunch of different things and see how they are. So, it's it's a great way to experiment and see if there are other systems that kind of uh, scratch the itch, so to speak, right? So. Uh, I, I've GM'd Forbidden Lands for, for you all, and I, I had a good time, but Forbidden Lands is not my system of preference. I still prefer Savage Worlds, yep. but but Forbidden Lands is a really fun, like the Year Zero engine is a really fun game system to just kind of take a break and see what else is out there. I'm looking forward to some of the other games, even though I've played some of those other systems. For example, up and coming be the Five E game uh, next week, which I have no problems playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's not my preferred, and I would not DM Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> yeah. but I don't mind playing it for for a night and having a good time with friends. So, yeah, it'll actually be also really interesting because um, the three of us are actually players. Uh, Jared yeah. is the GM, and he's running it with characters that we have created, or sorry, that I, I said this wasn't going to be an AI conversation, but we we pretty <laughs> much put in ourselves into Chat GPT and asked it to create a D and D character that would best suit that would best suit our personality. So that should be very interesting. Uh, I think we also have uh, was it the Alien RPG? Yep, I'm looking uh, forward to that one. And I said that I would run Shiver. And that'll be fun, too. Yeah. I I gotta start watching a lot more cheesy uh, B-rated horror flicks. Um, And, and you know, that's the funny thing, is horror is not my main thing. But I'm totally down for playing. I'll I'll give it a shot. It's like, I I enjoyed it. I enjoy trying different systems, and that's one of the things that's fun about doing the one shots uh in okay. robin yeah so. me personally like with one shots i when i first started playing i kind of didn't like the idea of one shots and it was because i was like what there's no long form campaign there's no nothing like that it's kind of just seems a little like you're only playing and a lot of times it's like pre-gen characters yeah and i kind of felt like that was almost like a little bit of a negative to me but as i've kind of grown in this hobby i kind of realized the joy of having one-shot characters because in 
aspects like that, you don't, it's not saying you don't care about your character, but I find you tend to put the plot first and you tend to put RP a little bit more ahead because you're trying to create a really fun story on top of it. And I think that's something that's almost, um, like, I don't want to say it's neglected, but it's almost like it's a benefit that most people aren't aware of. Well, it, it also allows you to try different tactics or different ideas and maybe take more risks with the character, knowing that you don't have to continue on with with um, the story, that this is going to be a one-night thing. Yeah. You can get in there and say, you know what? I'm I'm just going to go do this crazy thing that I normally would not do because the risk is huge and for a game that you're wanting to continue on in it's likely not going to end well so it, it gives you a little bit of freedom to try different things and experiment with character options and things like that as well yeah and i think even another part is you can create characters where you're like i would never want to run this for a long form campaign yeah but i think for one or you know if the session goes long two session kind of game where you know, it could be fun to play this character and it's a short enough period of time where it wouldn't be annoying or piss off to the rest of the group. Yeah. Um, it, it could definitely play. And I even said, like, it could be a lot of fun. And I even said before, like, pre-gen characters is like, oh my god. Did you hear that? I, I heard something, but I didn't that know That was my was. cat. He... When did you get in the room? <laughs> Okay, I gotta let my cat out. Hold on one second. Okay. Holy. You just you <laughs> hollered at me. Hey, skip your boot. Skip. Um. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's um, funny. Uh, yeah, uh, honestly, he has a meow that can um, tear our windows sometimes. <laughs> he knows when to use it. <laughs> um, God, where was I? Well, you were talking about uh, playing characters that may oh, yeah, annoy yeah. the other players and not have to worry yeah. about it being a long-term thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, okay, thank you, thank you. And I remember with, like, a lot of people kind of, like, look down at the pre-gens. But the thing about the pre-gen is it's just the stats and the attributes and the abilities which the GM is kind of utilizing, almost like how they utilize roles in movies in order to kind of create that cohesive story and then the actors take those take those characters and make them their own are they going to be playing this character like for 10 different uh movies probably not it's probably going to be one movie maybe two movies but then after that it's done but the the actors aren't mad that they're being told you know this is how your character is it's just they put on the personality on top of it i think it's almost slightly liberating in a way yeah well, and, and, you know, the other fun thing is that, that I like about one-shots is it gives you an opportunity to get your feet wet with a system and mm-hmm. see how it works, especially if it's one that you're planning on playing long-term. So, for example, with my kids, when we played Forbidden Lands, I, it wasn't necessarily a one-shot at the beginning, but I'm like, okay, guys. We're going to build characters and 
we're going to play a few games and you have the opportunity to tweak your character after the fact. So what I mean by that is the one shot allows you to see, is my build for my character one fun and is it viable? And so if you approach it, if you start off a campaign with like a one shot to let people see the system in action, and that's kind of what was fun with the game that we played for Forbidden Lands is I had to come up, I was like, I want to show all the different aspects of the of the Forbidden Lands engine. And so let's come up with, well, I need to have a journey in there and I need to have a combat and I need to have this sort of thing in there to kind of let people see how all the pieces fit together. Yeah. And then if your character build that you thought was a good idea turns out was not, for example, I'm a combat monkey and so I'm going to just throw all my points into melee and uh, shooting or whatever, and then you realize, oh, that's not going to work for the party because we need to have somebody who can lead the way and we have to have somebody who can watch and we have to have somebody who can do the, like forage or whatever it is and you have to spread those skills around uh -huh. suddenly you realize oh you know what i probably should put a, few, a point or two in this skill and so the one shot allows you to see how it allows you to see unintended consequences of your character decisions as a way uh, if you're using the one shot as an intro to a campaign sort of thing then you can like wipe that character out start with a new character or if that character worked well enough and you you're interested in the character enough you just continue on with it but that's just another aspect of one shots that I think oftentimes gets overlooked is it's a way to try on a system and see how it may work in unexpected ways because things do play differently than they read. Yeah, that's actually very, very true. Um, something I kind of thought of while you're talking was another, like, you know, when you're trying out a system to see if you like it, you could almost even therefore the gm wise write the campaign almost like a prologue yes so absolutely. you can have the prologue where you're kind of setting up the scene for the rest of the game and whether those characters in the you know in that one shot survive or die doesn't really matter because then they can just become parts of the notes for the rest of the game like for the future games yeah. that's uh, that's actually a really good point. I've never really thought about it as in the testing kind of. Well, place. something that could be fun doing that prologue thing that you talked about as well would be let the players play the villains that their characters are going to be going up against. Oh, for your story. you could even make sure they're a little bit more powered up. Oh, yeah. For that same aspect, like reason. Well, and, like, and you know, that's one reason why even with Forbidden Lands, I wanted you all to start off um with some experience points so that you had more than just the basic i'm a weak starting out adventurer let's see what it looks like with a little bit of power but yeah do that with your villain so they have an idea of what they're up against well it, it didn't quite help me considering my best skills i rolled horribly <laughs> Like, I rolled like you, and it was, especially since I was the guide in the forest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's funny, though. <laughs> especially since what, what gets really fun, for, uh, in Forbidden Lands, if you screw up your leave the way stuff enough, there are mishaps that can happen to where you end <laughs> up 
getting cold and you you get fatigued because you can't sleep at night and there's all sorts of crap like that that goes on so the whole hex crawl part of forbidden lands is a lot of fun and and we didn't see all of that but we got to see a little bit of how it works which i thought was fun so yeah that's very true like i like even before that game like i was very iffy on the actual free league like you know the year zero engine i was kind of almost slightly not opposed to it but i i never gave it a fair shot and it kind of showed me the strengths of it and it and it showed like hell i even kind of learned i was like okay this is why this is done like this because even though it may not imply it it sort of simulates this like with the with your gear kind of busting down or your stats in different areas like you know like it sounds bad because i'm having trouble remembering all the different like base stats how they can even be damaged and you end up rolling less and it's like it 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 allows you to almost show the wear and tear of your actions yep and i really didn't think that it was going to do that and, and you know that's one thing that I I do really like about Forbidden Lands. Even I mean that's that's a different aspect of it from Coriolis because Coriolis doesn't have that uh, that aspect of it, but it's also trying to evoke a different sort of scenario, right? With Forbidden Lands, it's it's a grim, dark setting. It's supposed to be tough. It's supposed to be rough and brutal. Um, Coriolis isn't as much that, um, but I've always found I I love games where it, there are consequences for doing poorly. And it's so like, even within Savage Worlds, there's a setting called The After that I just absolutely love because when you roll poorly, if you crit fail on a roll, something starts degrading. You've got you, your, your equipment starts taking damage. Not that it becomes less effective, but it becomes problematic. And if you rack up enough issues on that item it does break completely mm-hmm. and so it, it's I, I i love systems like that where there are consequences for things not going the way you expect them to go <laughs> yeah no it was um it was a lot of fun so is there any systems that you can think of that probably would not work in a one shot um the only ones so here's here's the problem that i have with one shots yeah is fortunately i'm familiar enough with forbidden lands that it was easy for me to do a one shot yeah jared is familiar with dungeons and dragons it'll be easy for him to do a one shot you have played shiver it'll be easy for you to run us through shiver um if you all had wanted to do a one shot of um black void that's an entire rule book that I would have to read to learn the rules for mm-hmm. one game. And that, that's, a, that's a heavy lift. I mean, The Black Void is not a small book, and I would have to read enough of it to give you all or to be able to convey, here are the particulars of the setting, here's the conceit of the game, as, as Scott likes to say, and now here are the rules for interaction, here are the rules for combat, here's all this stuff. And I would have to know all of those before I could do a one shot. So there'd be a bunch of upfront investment for one game. And that's the only downside that I really see. So are there are there systems 
that wouldn't lend themselves as easily to a one shot, probably. And it's going to be your your more rules heavy type of games. Um, some that would be easier though would be like Ten Candles, which is less than hundred pages, and part of that are different types of scenarios that you can run for the game itself. So that would be a fairly light rule system to learn. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it requires a less a, a lot less investment of time up front. So I would I would be hard pressed to if you all wanted to do like, hey, let's do a Pathfinder one shot. Oh man, I'm not reading that book. <laughs> I yeah, no, that's fair. I have one more rules light game that I think probably wouldn't lend itself well to a one shot. And I think it's Blades in the Dark. Because that one is not meant to be a choreographed story that one is um and i'm going to use this word and not expect any um any uh sass but it is meant to be played more like a sandbox <laughs> you're, you're asking a lot to not have any sass i know <laughs> it's it's almost a, just a little hope <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. uh, that's funny. Yeah, I, but again, I mean, Blades in the Dark is a three hundred page rule book. <laughs> so, well, it's three hundred page. Yeah, you know what? That's true. I I was surprised at how big that book actually was. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a dense book. Yeah, um, the mechanics I would say are very intuitive though. But see, that's cool. But I'd have to read the three hundred pages to to know that. <laughs> <laughs> And, no. and I think that's where my problem is. I mean, I keep picking up, like, I, I look at my bookshelf, and, and I'm, I just realized I'm not near my mic, so let me get back to the mic. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. It's like, uh, I, I was overlooking at the books on my bookshelf uh, for the games, and I've got, like, I, at some point, I, I think it would be fun to play Orbital Blues. I think it'd be fun to try and play Mazes, or Maze. Um, it would be fun to try and do some of the other games that I've got like uh Rune Master or, or or sorry Rune Masters and some of those other things. I, I've never played a 2D20 game. Like I've got Mutant Chronicles over there and I would love to play Mutant Chronicles. But I've heard things about 2D20 that it's it's very complex. It's a it's a it's a crunchy system and therefore I'm like I'm not inclined to pick it up unless I know there's a group of people that want to play it more long term rather than just as a one shot because I just don't have time to read that kind of rule book for, for one night. Yeah. No, I, I kind of get you on that. Like um like even looking through uh just the books I have in this room, which is kind of funny because I swear I you go to any floor in the house, you'll find RPG books. Like and I got Exalted, D D second edition D&D 3.5, Fate, Burning Wheel, Bunch of Suede Books, Mark Borg, Monsters of the Week, Neon Blood. Uh, that's just the ones I can see from me sitting at my desk, but like... Yeah. There, there's actually a few of those where I'm like, I probably wouldn't ever play, or because I, I GM my own little group, I would never want to run because like I know... I can't 
I I don't do well with that style. Like as much mm-hmm. like I know you really like suede. Nothing wrong with that. Me personally, I like it, but I don't like running it. See, and I I I don't mind running it. So I I actually enjoy running suede. Yeah. Is it my you know with with all the year zero games that I've been playing recently with my kids, Coriolis Forbidden Lands. Um. I will say that Savage Worlds has lost its shine a little bit. Um, I still like it, but there are some things about Year Zero that I just really, really enjoy. And so th- this is going to be my, where I'm going to kind of bridge into another comment, though. And that is for one shots. One of the benefits that I see with, and I think this is a, a future com- uh, topic that you wanted to cover as well, but with the Year Zero engine. We've got Coriolis, we have Forbidden Lands, there's Alien, there's Twilight 2000, there's Blade Runner. There's a whole bunch of games that use the same basic engine with slight tweaks to it, which means once you understand that engine, you could do a one-shot in any of those other settings without as much overhead, right? Because... The core mechanic is the same, but Alien does this different than Coriolis does this different than Forbidden Lands, etc. And that's where I think having a system that is broadly or is spread out amongst other things other than just a unique system in and of itself to its own one setting does make trying a one-shot in another system somewhat viable. So as an example, going back to your Blades in the Dark. Blades yeah. in the Dark, if there was interest to do a Blades in the Dark, great, let's learn those rules. But then also let's do um, that that one, oh, what's it called? Where you're the monsters in the dungeon. Oh, my, um... My, my, my brain's drawn a complete Oh, God, it. it's almost like the Underworld video games. Um, yeah, and, and I have it. I, I have the book. I have the game. Yeah. <laughs> Wicked Ones. There we go. Wicked Ones. And, you know, it, that's actually... I think that's a very, very, very good point. How when a system is utilized for many different games, it almost makes the system more attractive because you know you'll be able to try different things without having put as much commitment. That's like kind of going back around. And I actually, uh, you gave me an episode idea on top of that that I would love to talk about. Um, but in saying that, like, let's say me looking at Burning Wheel, I mm-hmm. Burning Wheel uses its own thing. On top of that, they re- they don't have any PDFs. They refuse to do PDFs. And it's become a little bit. And because I know if I learn this system. It's going to have to be for a game that people are actually interested in. And yeah. I knowing my group, they probably won't be that interested. While looking at PBTAs, is which I am playing Dungeon World right now, I have said, you know, there's these other PBTAs that use the same system, but are have a lot of different settings. And they're all like, oh yeah, I'm totally down. I'm interested in trying that. Like Monster of the Week, they're interested with. They're interested in all these different PBTAs because they know, I, I like, because they understand the system and they know that shift is not going to be as um dramatic for them which yeah. actually even if you kind of think about it that might be a reason why a lot like 
we're talking about it and we always i always thought it was silly but i may have just come to a realization why a lot of people don't want to actually move from 5e is because they would rather because they're so used to the system that they don't want to switch but if 5e then all of a sudden started coming up with different genres using a similar system you know they might yeah. be more interested well, to try that out there there are people who try that already though i mean like there there is the whole d20 modern system yeah. that spawned from what was that was that three and a half um or th third edition or whatever it was but i mean e even today in 5e you find folks on kickstarter who are doing a 5e project they're trying to branch out from fantasy into something else like take starfinder for example um which is a break off of pathfinder which is a break off from dnd &D. And so there are efforts to try and do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's for that reason that you state is that it, it makes it easy for people to try different things. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I totally get it because that's, that's one thing that I like about Savage Worlds. And that's also the main reason my Friday night group decided ultimately to go to Savage Worlds from everything else and now if there are settings that interest us we typically will try and convert that to savage worlds because we have well one we're all uh gen xers we're, we're, so we're all in our 50s um not that all gen xers are in 50s i understand that but but my particular group of friends we're all 50 plus we all have jobs we all have families we don't have time to constantly learn a new rule system and then try to keep all those rule systems straight when we can just do one called Savage Worlds and run any game we want. And yeah. we actually, my group, we actually created a setting, a, a homebrew setting that we call Flux for Savage Worlds, which was specifically designed around one-shot adventures. We have a common group of characters that go through all these different one-shots. Um, so we they, they are persistent characters and they do level up and they do advance but the whole idea behind this was we're going to throw them into scenarios that one we think is interesting and would never work in one of our normal games so we had like the first time i ran that game i, I ran the first adventure quote unquote of that setting the the group of characters are a group of bikers uh so they're they're uh just out riding their motorcycles, a fog bank comes up and transports them somewhere else. And in that first adventure, we had the opportunity uh, to run them through a game that no way would ever be a campaign and yeah. wouldn't even necessarily fit into a campaign because they ended up randomly being assigned as either an angel or a demon. They were fighting with, with one another. So we had character versus character fights going on as part of the game and the whole theme of it was trigger warning preventing some kid from committing suicide or if you're the demon causing that kid or getting that kid to commit Ooh. suicide even though that kid was completely unaware of the war that was going on around him that's and, dark oh it, it was a, it was a total blast though and the characters or the players would laugh with glee whenever they got to like do some horrible attack against their friend it's like this is awesome 
And so it's like that whole that whole the whole idea behind that game though is every game ends with a TPK and then they all come back. <laughs> so <laughs> just in another world. That, yeah, that's yeah. actually uh that's a really, really neat concept. Like and I've always like kind of expanding upon that, I've always loved the ideas of episodic games where it's like each one is its own self-contained game in the same universe and that kind yeah. of plays the same thing except you're just always shifting universes yeah but i mean i think we're trained that way nowadays even with tv right i mean you look at any of your tv shows and they are all standalone self-contained things and it isn't until a tv series has enough of a following that we can now get into um season one season two season three and it's not until like season two or three or four when they will actually have a storyline that goes throughout the entire season, right? Because they don't know if that series is going to last. So why come up with this big, long story that may get cut short if you know that uh, you may not get another season? So when you get into that season three, they're like, oh, hey, you know what? We can make this interesting by having a villain that will go throughout the entire season so to speak and there's no resolution until the final yeah. season or the final episode of the season kind of like when if you if you ever followed the show bones how yep. you have that one episode with gormagon and even gormagon lasted i mean it's like that one season but still came back into play every so often down the road so i i just i i think that's a really good way that tv has kind of trained us to think about things if if you're playing a game you don't know if it's going to last do it episodic like you just said because a, a series of one shots within that same game world allows you to see is this interesting enough for us to have a bigger more overarching story yeah um, i got i got a little random fact a tv sure. fact for you actually cool um so X-Files. Did you know that one was never actually supposed to have an overarching plot? Uh, I actually did know that. Because uh, the, the actor who played uh, Scully, Gillian something, Anderson. Gillian Anderson, Gillian Anderson, mm -hmm. uh, she got pregnant and they needed to figure out a way to explain it. And that's actually what created the plot before then. They yeah. never planned to. And I always thought that was kind of the neatest thing. And the funniest thing about that is I feel like a lot of TV shows that are better when they don't have that overarching plot. Yeah. Like Bones. I, I, I'm sorry. When it was more about the case, I loved it. The moment that it started becoming more and more internal about the group was the moment that I started to dislike it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I still have a hard time. Like the struggle that I have, and I probably to bring this back to gaming is probably something we need to pay attention to. Is what are the same tropes that we keep bringing back into our games over and over again? Because, like Monk, did you ever watch the show Monk? I did not. I've seen. I saw a couple episodes, but I never really watched too much of it. I, I really enjoyed Monk, but it got to be so formulaic. You, you knew that there was going to be. This thing happened, and Monk is going to be confronted with one of his uh, problems, and he will end up having to do it, and he will end up saving the day. And you knew exactly what was going to happen 
uh, towards the end. So it's like I ended up stopped watching it because I got tired of knowing the whole storyline before I even saw the the opening sequence. It's like, well, I, I guess I know what's going to happen here. No, so, no, that's that's definitely true. I think I think some shows have like in some games have a better opportunity to be episodic. Yeah. Um and kind of going on to my like mon- like monsters of the week, laundry files. Um any of those ones where it's kind of like an investigation type style, especially when it deals with the paranormal, I feel like you're able to really do a lot more with it episodically cuz you don't really like is there going to be some mode of a formula? Yeah, but you can literally throw anything against the wall and see what it works because you're dealing with a repertoire of creatures, monsters, things that don't really exist and scenarios that any normal person would never ever be into. When if you look at Monk or Bones, you you're pigeon you're not necessarily pigeonholed, but you're pigeonholed into it because it has to follow the same concept. It's the same thing with like Law and Order, where the more and more you watch the seasons, the more and more it gets involved with the characters because how many times can you really make, hey, guess what? This person was murdered over here. Interesting. Yeah. Like you can't do too much with it. So I think even with episodic games, you kind of really have to pick what you're going to do an episodic with. Agreed. And I will say the other thing that you mentioned, like for the episodic and here, I I think it's important to note that when we're talking episodic, we're now talking one shots within the same system. Right. And the struggle that that I think can be that they can jump up is we may need to think about one shots and that definition of what what is truly a one shot now. Right. Because originally a one shot is this is going to be a game that is played in one night. But some of them may take two or three, right? Especially if you're doing an investigation. And the reason I say that is it seems to be, in my experience, investigations have so many ways to go off the rails, especially for players who don't do investigation by default and we're having to figure things out based on what we've seen in TV shows, that we end up taking longer. The one good thing about those investigation ones is there's typically more role play, which takes longer um, in my in my experience anyway, because you can spend a whole lot of time just interacting within the character group as well as with anybody else that they may be interacting with. So if they're having to interview people or whatever, then they have to figure out and find the clues and finding those clues, depending on what type of GM you are. Um, do they have to roll to find every clue or are you going to give them clues automatically that that they may or may not pick up on because you gave them a clue and they didn't have to roll for it right so now they're like man i just don't know where to go from here and and so there's there's that's the one danger with some styles of one shots is that they could take longer than anticipated just because people aren't investigators well that that actually also brings up a good point of how long is your one shot session? Cause like even with um even when we're playing uh yours, Forbidden Lens, we had to kind of trim down the fat because we were going too long. Because we we don't necessarily like we're playing only till like what, ten o'clock? Seven to ten? Seven eight? uh 
Yeah, uh, it was yeah, eight was... to eleven is what we ended up playing. Eight to eleven or oh, eleven yeah. thirty or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. So your time, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was. It was about three and a half hours, is all. Yeah, I think we play. I think it was three hours that we played for that one. Yep. And I almost feel like for a one shot, three hours is kind of cutting it close. Yeah. I th- I think like a an a, pro- a proper one shot should be about four to five hours which sounds like a lot but when you're with your friends like we i start playing my game at eight o'clock and there's times where it's like and that it's like this adventure which i was like okay this should this adventure should be done tonight and we're done at one o'clock in the morning yeah so well and that that's the problem i think that's one of the problems that a lot of people have though also is trying to carve out a four or five hour block of time where everybody can make it. Yeah. Even within our group, I'm an hour different than you. And if we're playing on a weeknight, I have work the next day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning or five if I decide to sleep in. And so I, I can't play typically that late if I have to function at work. But on the weekends... Uh, like Friday night with my kids or with my other group of friends, we will play till two or three o'clock in the morning, and we'll start at ten o'clock at night. Yeah, I, I mostly just become useless after about ten thirty in the evening on weekend, <laughs> weekends, weekdays. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, so yeah, so um, we're gonna be doing this episode's a little bit shorter. A, I am sick and I still feel like ass, but. <laughs> yeah so there, there's i can tell you look like ass too <laughs> yeah yeah i look like ass too honestly I, like the wife he's like when i was talking with her and i was like yeah okay we're gonna do it. she's like you're gonna have to fix your hair right i'm like yeah it's pretty bad she's like yeah i'm like i'm not doing video she's like that's probably for the best i, was like, yeah, I agree i agree man <laughs> but anyways folks um that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, again, Scott will be here for the next episode and the episode after that. After that point, uh, I'm we'll not see. too... Yeah, we'll <laughs> see. Um, but it's been a blast, and we will continue having fun. Uh, and we plan to, I think, maybe bring on a little bit more guests to chat. Yeah. I find three is the best number for us. I agree. <laughs> Yeah. But on that note, folks, I hope you guys have a good week and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Later.